What is going on, you sexy bitches out there and bastards? I don't discriminate. Uh, welcome back to 101. This is a uh, this is going to be a wicked episode. This is a wicked episode. It, I mean, it was a wicked episode for me, um, just because of who it was that I was talking to, someone that I um, uh, was really really hyped to get on the podcast. And uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you more after this ad. Alrighty, the sponsor is over. Thank you for listening to that. Um, so my guest today is Robert Arp, who is a philosopher. He has a PhD in philosophy. He has so many credentials to his name. It's hard for me to list every single one of them. But just know that this guy is uh, a brilliant mind. And um, I stumbled across his book, uh, A Thousand and One Ideas That Changed the Way We Think. Because I am someone who is endlessly curious. I love figuring things out. I love finding out new things, theories, suggestions, possibilities, um, anything. And this book, which I highly recommend, uh, is chock full of those, a thousand and one to be exact. I bet you didn't see that coming. So this book led me to him, finding him, finding his website, reaching out to him, and got him on the podcast, and uh, it's not it, you know this is definitely not the longest episode, which is fine. You know I love having various lengths of episodes, um, so there is some fun you know insight into the book, into his um, life coming up. Uh, there's a great story of um, you know the area that he grew up in and the uh, the, the you know the real uh, bad part of that area that he grew up in. Um, and then it shifts uh, because as any great philosopher would do, he then shifts the conversation to talk about me, which I try not to do. You know, obviously I'm here to have the guest on and talk. And, and then, of course, it's a mutual thing. But if they want to switch it to, you know, essentially talking and interviewing me, I'm all for it. Um, so then, of course, he switches it to me. And by the end of the episode, I, uh, I made an, an, an incredible new friend. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to tell you what he does, but at the end of the episode, he does something so awesome and I'm looking at it right now. Uh, he did something so awesome for me. So Robert, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um, I can't wait to hopefully one day meet you in person. Got to make that happen. And everybody else get ready, get set for the one, the only Robert Arp. big fan of this book, uh, which uh, I will admittedly say I have not gotten through the entire thing. Um, just hey, because neither, this is... neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, actually, probably just uh, once or twice, really, because uh, as editor, uh, uh, just to make sure everything uh, made sense kind of once or twice, because uh, I pulled uh, about 40 different people together and uh, made sure that uh, all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I guess we can start at the at as far back at the beginning as you want to, because this is sort of, um, how do you view this book? Like, what is this book to you, The Thousand and One Ideas That Changed the Way We Think? Is this sort of a um, magnum opus kind of thing for you or not really? Well, i give you a little sense of uh how it came to be i'm a philosopher by training so um uh i was i was a professor of philosopher for a couple of years and then i did a postdoc postdoctoral fellowship and uh then that got me into government contracting work and so now i am a government contract a worker at Fort Leavenworth in Leavenworth, Kansas. And so I live in Kansas, uh, just outside of Kansas City on the Kansas side. And um, I approached 
um, uh, a, a publisher with the idea of doing uh, kind of a for dummies book, you know, those for dummies that for yeah. dummies series, you <laughs> yeah. know, like cooking for dummies and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And so there was a there, philosophy for dummies, uh, a kind of book like that, this publisher called Octopus, which is a huge publisher in the UK and in Europe. And uh, they also have a, a connection with um with uh um uh oh gosh the name is escaping me now um not not norton um is it atria yeah atria is the name of the book Yeah, Atria is is another publisher. They 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 do deal with. They also um, uh, there's another one in, in New York that, uh, that also publishes. They 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 actually uh, deal with several publishing companies. This book is un, is is published by several different uh, publishers actually, <laughs> all around the world, um, and in several different languages. Believe it or not. So, um, so I, I approached this publishing company with an idea and said, Hey, I want to do this book on in philosophy. And they came back and said, Hey, um, you know, that thousand and one series, you know, thousand and one, I, you know, places you should visit before you die. Thousand and one guitars you should play before you die. <laughs> thousand and one, you know, that kind of thing. You've heard about that, right? Oh yeah. So they said to me, Hey, would you be interested in doing something like a thousand and one, concepts or a thousand one ideas and i said sure what the heck that's great that makes sense i'm a philosopher and you know we we we're in the realm of ideas and so uh so i ran with that and um i gathered uh a thousand and one ideas and divvied those ideas up into uh areas uh basic areas um um the areas being um um uh, f- uh philosophy religion psychology science and technology politics and society and art and architecture um and then uh, also uh, uh divvied them up um historically you know from uh, as far back as like 5000 years bc uh up to uh present day and um, <clears throat> and then uh, went about uh, just con- sent out a call for um, contributors uh, through all kinds of e-lists um, and uh, also a bunch of friends that I have, colleagues that I had, and gathered a bunch of people to write and um, and then the uh, set a date and, um, put it together. Now this one was different from other books that, uh, I've published in that, uh, they offered me, uh, like $10,000 up front. And then that was it. There were going to be no royalties from it. Other books that I've done, I get s- some royalties and they were smart because <laughs> like I said, this has been published in several different by pub- several different publishing companies, several different languages. And it's it's sold like many many thousands of copies already. I'd, I'd be a, a very wealthy person if uh, <laughs> <laughs> even if I got like three or five percent of on each book that I sold that they sold, I'd be very wealthy at this point. So, um, so so yeah. how come how come you took that deal when uh like when that was presented to you? Like how come you weren't like no 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 hold on hold on uh. Um, I don't think they would have, uh, I wasn't in any kind of, you know, these are like academic books there. There's really like, um, I wasn't in any, any kind of position to, uh, to wheel and deal. There's, there's three types of books that can be written nowadays. One type of book is a self-published book that you see on Amazon. Um, and I've never done any of those. 
another type of book uh, is a, a trade book. And, uh, and in trade books, you have to get a manager. You've heard of getting a manager, you know, where you have like J.K. Rowling in order for yes. her to get uh, Harry Potter. Uh, she had to have a manager uh, and that manager usually takes like 20 percent of whatever she uh, would uh, make on her books, that kind of thing. Those are for like trade books. And most trade books are fiction stories, uh, some some um, nonfiction like cookbooks and his, history books are in there, but they're mostly mostly fiction uh, trade books. And then the other the third type of book is an academic book. And those books in general don't make money unless they're um, textbooks and uh, they have to be textbooks that are like science textbooks where they're like $200 a piece nowadays. And if you, if you're, if you write one of those, then you can kind of like live off of those. But I, I write philosophy, <laughs> humanities textbooks uh, don't really make all that much money. <laughs> so I, I, this was in the realm of, uh, um, this is in kind of like a blurry realm of between trade and academic and, uh, more on the academic side. So I, I didn't have a manager, uh, or a, uh, um, uh, um, uh, not a manager, a, uh, uh, a person, uh, representing me, uh, and, uh, and so I just uh, I was looking just to, you know, for the prestige and and uh, just wanted to make sure I, I was able to do the book. I was doing it just uh, just just for the pleasure of it, and for the enjoyment. So that's the reason why I took the deal. And I, I didn't really care too much about the money. Uh, so that's that's the reason why I took the took the deal up front with the ten thousand up front. So. So you just, uh, you, this was really a, sort agent, of like a passion agent. I, project. I didn't have an agent. That's the word, not manager, agent. That's the word. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, this was really sort of a, uh, like a passion project for you. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, um, in, in the, um, so I, I was a, a philosophy professor, uh, in the academic world, uh, there's something called publisher parish. Have you heard that? Uh, I don't believe I have. Okay, Not so until right like, now. so when um, people who uh, go into academia and when they become professors, they have to publish or perish. They have to, in order to stay as professors, um, they have to publish uh, papers and books, papers and journals and books. Uh, every year uh and and a book like every couple of years usually and if they don't um they don't get tenure which uh tenure is basically like job security at a college or university have you ever heard of that you've heard of tenures a professor getting tenure yes, yes yeah 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 so so when when you usually when uh, uh somebody gets hired uh, as a professor at a college or university, they're hired as a as an assistant professor. That's the first rank, and then uh, after about three years, they get uh, evaluated. Uh, and then uh, at about five or six years, they usually, if all goes well, and I've, and every year they've published a paper. And after about five years, they published a book. They get up a rank to associate professor, and then they get tenure. But uh, it's they have to have published in order to do that, and make sure that they had good recommendations from students, and that they've served on committees, and that they haven't, you know, uh, had sex with their students and all that stuff, all that crazy stuff. So, um, uh, so basically I, I had been, 
I, I, I have a lot of books published and a lot of papers published because I had been working as a professor toward tenure. Um, and, uh, so a lot of these, a lot of these projects I'm working on, uh, I had been working on because, uh, for my academic credentials. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So this is sort of a, um, like, like compared to your other work, is this sort of potentially probably one of the biggest, uh, books that you've ever written or is there something even larger than this one well it's a it's um it's one of the biggest projects in terms of like herding cats in terms of in terms of bringing a bunch of people together and um uh the the introduction was um uh, i wrote the introduction and then gathered all the people together, gathered all the ideas, had to go through all of the ideas. Like I said, um, uh, it was the is one of the biggest projects in that sense. Um, not not one of the biggest uh, uh, pieces of writing um, that I've ever put together. No, but uh, in terms of uh, projects and and scope and scale and all that kind of stuff it's definitely one of the biggest yeah because you know you're 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 gathering people you know and different different people have different kinds of personalities you know some people are very slow (laughs) and you have to kind of like email them and email them and then finally call them and then call them again and say hey get your shit in get your shit in get your shit in (laughs) hey (laughs) you know what i mean like, come on, we're waiting for you, you know. <laughs> come on, my my ten thousand is uh right. Is uh, <laughs> I need this. Uh, so, like, all right. So, when someone submits an idea, like, you don't personally know every single person that that submitted an idea to this book, correct? No, as a matter of fact, I uh, almost everybody, I think, except for like maybe like two or three people, I've never physically ever met. Um, so I just, uh, uh, cause I sent out a call for contributors and then they sent in, Hey, you know, I'm a professor, I'm Dr. So-and-so from this particular university. Here's my resume, my, my, my CV, my curriculum vitae. Here's my, my, my credentials. I can, I can write on this particular idea. And then I say, oh, that looks good. Yeah, here, go ahead. Here's, 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 here's 10 ideas you can write on. And then that person writes on the 10 ideas and then that's it. So I, I, almost all these people I've never met in my life. I've just simply corresponded with them maybe like once or twice on email and then that's it. (laughs) Wow. So how do you, no, no, it really is. Especially, um, when like you get an idea and you have to, do you have to really take their word for it? Or do you yourself have to go through and uh, uh, like double check? Oh, no, no. Yeah. That, that, that's part of the, um, part of the, uh, part of my work as an editor is to check and double check. Plus they also uh, at um, octopus and, um, uh, they have a, a huge editorial staff that checks and double checks references as well. So, uh, so I am doing that work and they're doing that work to, to check and double check stuff. So, yeah. Look, I got to tell you, like when I found this book, cause I love going to, uh, you know, to bookstores and I love, cause I know probably at some point in my lifetime, bookstores will cease to exist um like the actual idea of a bookstore uh so i loved going to them sort of you know the same way i went to a blockbuster let's say Uh um and uh you know just literally just roaming the aisles and just scanning and i remember i was just in books a million scanning and i ended up in the philosophy section and um was looking around looking around and then this book obviously stands out like a sore thumb just because of the spine itself 
compared to a lot of those books I was looking at is so massive. And the text on it is, it just grabs your eye instantly. Um, especially with like the slip cover that comes with it. And so I pulled it off the shelf, opened it up. And what I love about this book and why I think a lot of people, if uh, this is something that they're interested in, should check it out is it's not, it's not some kind of writing that is, you know, it's sort of what you were saying. It's almost in a way for dummies, but really not because uh, the way it's categorized, the way it's, almost essentially one page is devoted to one idea. So there's one page for every idea and then that's it. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's always, <clears throat> I think I'm looking, I'm, I'm thumbing, th I have it in my lap right here. I'm thumbing through it. Right. And pretty much for almost for every single idea, there's a picture, <laughs> a full <correct>. color picture <laughs> and, and um, nice big print. And there's only what, 300 words max per idea so uh it's pretty concise uh so you're not bogged down <clears throat> with uh too much writing yes exactly and what's crazy to me is this is almost you yes you so you you could categorize this as like a philosophy book but this this almost just seems like a like a life book in a way yeah, it just yeah. seems like a like a like a book that is containing every single important thing that has ever occurred in life yeah <laughs> um yeah so and I'm, that i'm looking at a couple like doppelganger you know the notion of co a coexisting identical being double or negative version of a person right like for me my doppelganger is brad pitt <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. No. I love that. Oh man. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Like, and then like, um, God Godwin's law. This guy named Mike Godwin coined that in 1990. He said that uh, if an online discussion continues long enough on any topic whatsoever, someone in the discussion will inevitably make a comparison to Adolf Hitler or the Nazis. <laughs> So like, really? Yeah. So like, if you if you look at comments in a discussion page, uh, if it goes on long enough, somebody eventually will make it's just like the Nazis or it's just like Adolf Hitler. No matter what the discussion is. <laughs> so that's wow. this guy named Mike Godwin said uh, it's called Godwin's Law. So that's what it is. <laughs> that's in there. And then, you know, you got uh, different ideas here that really are the same thing as like principles, laws, rules or theories like um, the second law of thermodynamics, you know, is was an idea. Right. Or like the greenhouse effect or the Ten Commandments, you know, even though those are laws, those are uh, ideas that were, were pretty significant as to, in terms of rules. And then also uh, invent ideas are are are, are tantamount or e equal to inventions too, you know, like uh, um, the telephone, the map, the magazine, the encyclopedia, groupthink, nuclear fusion, breakdancing, you know, some of these things, um, uh, just a absolutely fascinating. Um, and the one thing that I discovered in, in uh, when I did research on these ideas is always it's always the case that an idea that you think of as being um, every idea that you can think of actually occurred much earlier than you thought. So like. Um, uh like, uh, like, um, I didn't realize that the, uh, pictures, the, the, um, photography taking of pictures goes all the way the hell back to 1837. For example, are, like, you, are you still there? I'm sorry. Did I lose you? No, no, no. I'm so, still here. No. Yeah. So like, um, 1837 i didn't realize that um and uh even before that there were 
primitive kinds of uh, images that we were able to burn onto metal plates uh, that people were experimenting with. Uh, and then before that, they were in the 1600s and 1700s, they were able to uh, take um, uh, with a pinhole, they were able to take lenses and um, with light um, and mirrors, uh, focus and project images on walls. I didn't realize that kind of stuff was occurring back in the 1600s, right? I mean, so, you know, there's all these kinds of <clears throat> ideas. Every single idea that I, I, I looked at, I found out was occurring much earlier in our human history than I thought it actually occurred. <laughs> so that yeah, was that, fascinating, you know? So like humans that, are just so incredibly resourceful. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Now for you, what is, what is the, what's the draw to philosophy? Why did, why did philosophy become sort of your, you know, your life? Like, why was it, well, I'm that a, versus I'm almost, like being a sports commentator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a little history myself. That's, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I look like Brad Pitt. We already established that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or, 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 or being a comedian. Why, like, why weren't you a comedian? Right. So I'm going to be 50 years old in a couple. Let's see. March 20th. What's today? March. Today's March. What? sixth so i guess like is it is it march 6th or 7th i don't know <laughs> something like that so like in two weeks i'll be 50 years old so i was born in 1970 wow. and um uh in cicero illinois which is where right outside chicago cicero is famous because al capone the gangster ran yes. the city of chicago from cicero and had all uh his speakeasies and all that kind of stuff and uh, if if you're old enough, uh, Geraldo Rivera in the mid 80s had this show called Opening of Al Capone's Vaults. And it was the most watched television program in the history of television at that time. And basically they uh, were opening this uh, vault in the basement of the Alton Hotel, and that was basically right down the block from where I lived. And um, they showed different uh, different aspects of uh, different scenery in Cicero, Illinois. There, so I grew up in Cicero, Illinois, which is a shithole, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a gang infested, uh, white wow. flight um, kind of city. I, I was shot at when I was fourteen. I uh, was held up in when I was 17 and tied up in the back of a chicken fast food chicken place. Uh, uh, which was whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. So when I was 14, I was out um, uh, in a snowball fight with Tony Samfay, who eventually became a police officer in Kankakee and was shot and killed. Um, uh, back in 96, but, um, this guy named Johnny Odell, I'll never forget his name was a gang member who just shot at us. I just remember hearing a past my ear and turned around and I just saw this gun pointed at me from X number of feet away and just jumped into the snowbank and, uh, ran, we ran home and Charlie Wilson across the street was screaming and, and uh, my my parents came running out and eventually my parents went to court and Johnny Odell, I think, went away to because Johnny Odell was a badass uh, gangster type person. But eventually they went to court and he went away to some kind of juvie home or something like that. Hopefully he's dead. <laughs> Hopefully. But, but 
Hopefully. But how did you end up tied up in a chicken? Okay, all right. Restaurant? So that uh, that was that story. Then, um, um, uh, so I've been working since I was nine years old. Uh, nine years old, I started working as uh, a paper boy, and then from there worked uh, at uh, a um, um a hardware store and then for the city of Cicero uh, and then at a bakery. And then my brother who was six years older than, than myself, his friend from uh, high school uh, was the manager of a Brown's chicken in the Chicagoland area. There's Brown's chicken and pasta. And, uh, if you look up Steve Carell, you know who Steve Carell is, right? Yeah, The Office. Yeah, Steve Carell, Brown's Chicken commercial. You'll see Steve Carell did a Brown's Chicken commercial um, in Chicago, and it'll show an outside of what a Brown's Chicken looks like. So I I got a job working at Brown's Chicken, and the first night on the job, they show you, here's what you do to prep the chicken and then 15 minutes before you the 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 place closes you're supposed to go out front and sweep up and clean the bathroom and all that kind of stuff so the second night on the job there were seven of us working there um five workers and then two managers including steve lyons my brother's friend who was the store manager and then the district manager happened to be in and then the five of us workers. So it's quarter to nine at night. It's a Friday night. I remember it was a Friday night because uh, a priest friend of mine was coming to pick me up and we were going to go see a movie uh, later that night. So this is January of 1988. Um, and uh, so it's quarter to nine um i walk up to the front uh to sweep up and these two black guys walk in now cicero where i grew up it was a white flight city racist probably one of the most racist cities in the nation matter of fact it was written up in in Time magazine and in several newspapers in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s as a white flight racist city. Uh, we had the Ku Klux Klan marching through, and um, so it's just a very racist city. So when I saw these two black guys walk in, it was strange to see them because you just didn't see black people in Cicero, right? So uh, I remember thinking to myself, believe it or not, given my racist tendencies back then, uh, I wonder if they're going to hold up the place, right? So sure enough, I look up and, oh, my God, I got a gun to my head, right? So I remember I hit the ground before my broom handle did, <laughs> believe it wow. or not. Yeah, and so – and um, now I was raised Catholic, and uh, I happened to be in the seminary, too. So I went to the high school seminary to study to be a Catholic priest, which uh, in the Chicagoland area meant that I, I, I went downtown, took the L train downtown to high school seminary. So I was I remember saying out loud the Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hell be thy name. So. Um, up front at the cash register is where I was starting to do my sweeping when those two guys walked in. The guns pointed to my head, and uh, what had happened was the chick who was at the register, they came behind the register and um, uh, put the gun to her head, pulled all the money out of that cash register, and they took us, the two of us, at gunpoint and took us in back with the five other people and pushed us in the back room, the storage area where all the dry storage was. 
and also where the safe was located. And then they said the old guy, there was an older guy, black guy, and a younger black guy. The older black guy had uh, glasses, and he was with the, he was the one holding the gun, and he had one of those Irish caps. You know what those one of those Irish caps look like? I think I do. I think I can see it in my. I don't know how else to describe it other than um, uh, those typical kind of like, you know, you'd see people wearing them in the 20s and 30s. And then the because it was January. And uh, and then the younger black guy had like a stocking uh, cap with a ball on top of it kind of like mike nesmith from the monkeys okay. you, ever, you ever see the monkeys show no <laughs> you never you never saw the monkeys from the 60s no hey, hey we're the monkeys well the one guy would always wear is the hat anyway just like that so the old guy says just if everybody stays calm nobody's gonna get hurt and the young guy then says, we're going to tie you up and we're going to lay you over each other. So the young guy starts tying us our hands up behind our back while the old guy has Steve Lyons open up the safe. And back then it was you, you it was the kind of safe where you turn the knob, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, spin it to the left to number seven, spin it to the right to number 23 Uh, Gotcha. combination lock. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I remember looking at him as he was doing it, his hand was shaking as he was trying to spin and he didn't, and he missed it. Right. And he, and he tried to open it up and it didn't work. And and he said, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he tried it again. And the old guy was like, it's all right. Just take your time. <laughs> it was almost like the old guy, the old black guy was like calming him, trying to calm him down, like saying, you know, like, you know, it's all right. We're not going to hurt you. Just stay calm. But we're all like freaked out because, you know, I just remember of looking. Course. Of course. Yeah. And I remember looking at the the Hispanic woman who the young girl who was in up front at the cash register. And I, I just kept going, oh, shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. And she looks at me and she goes, it's all right. It's okay. You're going to be fine. But the look in people's eyes, you know, was one of like, you know, like deer in the headlights, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, cause you know, we all realize we're, we're like one trigger away from death, you know? <laughs> so yeah. they, they, they tied the, the, um, young guy t- started tying people up and he ran out of rope right because he had pieces of rope cut so i suggested that he use aprons that were on the shelf so he said that's a good idea <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i was the sixth of the seventh and then seventh person of, of the seven people to be tied up steve lyons the store manager was the seventh one so i laid over the pile of five people and then steve Lyons laid on top of me kind of like like if you can imagine like um like a just a big mass pile like uh um like like a like a like a like a x one person laid on the ground and another person laid over there uh laid laid to make an x and then the other person laid on top to make like another x and you know so we're laid on top of each other and they said okay now count to a thousand and so we started counting out loud and then we heard the door shut as they left right and uh so we stopped counting and then we heard the doors open again and we're like oh shit oh shit and so steve Lyons got off of me and 
And then we looked and we saw that it was plain clothes cops with their guns drawn. And apparently um, the district manager uh, had pressed the silent alarm. You know, they have those silent alarms. There's a button uh, in the back because when they were when the ro- when the robbers were taking us in the back uh the the district manager realized what was going on and pressed the silent alarm and uh that alerted the police uh to that a robbery was taking place there and so they they showed up now luckily they showed up when they did because if they'd have showed up like literally if they'd have showed up 1 minute earlier we'd have been hostages. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There could have been like a, could have been a, a standoff kind That'd of have been situation. Bad news, right. Yeah. So I, I, and then like, so then, then more police showed up and then they had to take our statements. Right. Then yeah, that yeah. priest friend of mine shows up and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And so I explained to him what's going on. And he's like, Oh my God. So then, um, so he was picking me up. Um, so he drove me home and my mom and dad were at home and I walk in and I said, I was just robbed. I was, I was at work and they came in and then my mom was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And at that point I just started crying. Like, cause you know, cause it's just, it just, that at that point it real, it struck me. Oh my God. I just, you know, all the adrenaline was gone at that point And the realization hit me that, I could have just died, you know? So, um, but, uh, so, uh, that's the area you grew up in. Yeah. So that it's, <laughs> wow. a, yeah, you know, chased by gangs, all that kind of stuff, just dysfunctional, crazy shit. So, like I said, my, I, I went to the high school seminary downtown, which was good because that got me away from the racism and the craziness. And, and I studied a lot of religion and theology and from religion and theology, I got into philosophy. So to get to your original question of how I got into. So then I decided um, I almost went into the Air Force National Guard um, in between high school and college, but uh, was recruited to continue in the college seminary in Chicago. So I decided to continue doing that. And then I got a scholarship to study out at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. And uh, I did that for my junior year and senior year and then one year to get my master's degree. So I was basically in the seminary for nine years, four years high school, four years college and one year to get my master's degree. Then once I got my master's in philosophy um, I got out and I taught high school religion at a Catholic high school, uh, not too far outside of DC. In the midst of that, I met my wife, Susan. And then I decided, um, I want to go get my PhD in philosophy. So I applied to places all over the country and got accepted at St. Louis university in St. Louis, which is a Jesuit school. And so moved out to St. Louis after we got married in July of 1996. Um, uh, July 20th, that's the day that the man, that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, July 20th in 1969. So that's the day we got married, July 20th, 1996. And uh, two weeks later, we moved out to uh, St. Louis And I was in grad school from 96 to 2005 and um, then went to was a professor of philosophy at Southwest Minnesota State University for a year in Minnesota, then went to Florida State University in Tallahassee for a year as a visiting professor. Then I did a postdoc at the University of Buffalo, and that got me into the government contracting I was telling you about. And I did that in D.C. for two years. And then I came to the Kansas City area 
in 2011 and, uh, and I've been working with the army since. And, uh, basically that was just like a short history, but, um, but it was through religion and theology that I got interested in philosophy. Um, so, um, you know, that when you're, when you're thinking about God's existence, um, uh, the nature of uh, the perp- our purpose in hum- uh, in in life, the purpose of humanity, uh, whether we have a soul, um, the meaning of life, w- the, you know w- whether we ha- whether there's a universal morality, you know those kinds of questions. Uh, those are philosophical kinds of questions. Um, so it just was natural to, to move from theology and religion into philosophy for me. So, well, because you have to be, and it, it, it's strange to me because I don't understand how people can't be, cause I am just, I, I, I am so endlessly curious and you almost as a human should be like, you should never be satisfied with with anything when it comes to anything you were just talking about, whether it's, you know, is there a God? What is the purpose? What is this? What is that? You should always trying to be finding the answers. And the fun part is, and maybe you can, you know, add on to this. The fun part is really knowing that at least in my view, we really don't have the answers at the end of the day. Do you agree or no? That's right. And we we don't and um that's what makes uh philosophical questions be philosophical questions that uh they they're open-ended the the answers are are really not there fully (laughs) that's not like math questions right or (laughs) math problems where you got answers at the end right um they're open-ended um and uh, you have arguments uh, for them on one side or another and positions on one side or another. So, yeah, I, I agree. What up? I, I don't know if in these podcasts, if you talk about yourself or, you know, in a nutshell, what uh, I said, I was 50. How old are you and, and where do you live and what do you do? Or do you talk about those things or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I try to you know focus on the guest, but if the guest is uh, yeah, yeah, is, what do you do? Uh, so I am twenty seven. Okay. Um, born ninety two. Uh, I'm in sunny Orlando, Florida currently. Oh shit! I love it down there. <laughs> so when you said that you uh came to uh Tallahassee, yep. Um, uh, a buddy of mine went there for uh he went there for filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and uh, he loved it there. He, he, you know, he spoke very highly. I never got the chance to visit him up in Tallahassee, but uh, I hear great things about that campus. Um, so you, I live do, here. In, do you live? Sorry, did you go grow ahead. up in Orlando? Uh, I grew up in a town called Palm Coast. It's like an hour and a half from Orlando north. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was born in St. Augustine, the oldest oh, city in the country. Oh, yes. I've been, I went there on my honeymoon. Nice. And I went there back in, I went there on my honeymoon and then I went there a couple of years after that. And I've been to Jacksonville beach a couple of times and Verona. Um, yeah. um, is it Verona beach? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Verona beach. Yep. Yeah. That's uh Oh man. Yeah. St. Augustine's absolutely wonderful. Oh man. That is cool. I lived in Lakeland too for a summer. Okay, yep, Lakeland. Be- yeah, she's a bit in between um, uh, Orlando and uh, Tampa. And uh, every year from eighty nine to ninety six, I would try. I would go down to Florida every summer and hit Disney World. For a week and then some beach in Florida uh, for a week 
all around, except for the only place I have never been is the Keys. Likewise. I've not been down there. Okay, so but you've been most of your life then in the Florida area. Uh, all my life, yeah. Okay. That is I've awesome. never lived anywhere else. Um, and uh, uh, in, like, in terms of what I've done, you know, from uh, professions, like I've done everything from uh, – so when I left high school, I, I thought, you know, I was like, all right, the next step is college. And that's, you know, that's sort of what we're – you know, ingrained to, to, to do with your life. And I went there literally no joke. I went there for a day and I was like, Nope, this is not for me. And I, so I guess I technically am considered a college dropout, but I don't really even consider it because I only <laughs> went for one day. Um, cause I, you know, I, I just, from that point on, I wanted to be I've always wanted to be like a self-made kind of person. And so I've, I've, I've really focused on doing what makes me happy. You know, I do want success in life. I do want, you know, all the stuff that we're uh, really supposed to want in life. But at the end of the day, if I can do what I love and, you know, be able to live a, a, a decent life, then I'm okay. And I've done everything from, I was at one point really into magic and, you know, uh, uh, the art of magic. So ah. I was, I was a professional magician from, I think you could say 2012 to 2016. Um, oh there's my. a few magic. Yeah. There's a few magic shops in Florida, one in St. Augustine. Ah. Uh, there's one in Daytona. So I worked at those, um, and uh, went around the country. <laughs> I love it. There's a ma- there's a magician who, um, uh, uh, oh man, I'm gonna have to. There's a magician who every Sunday from five to seven does uh, does tricks here, and he's been on. Uh, um. He's been on the series. uh... Are you thinking America's Got Talent? No, um, The Magician's Show. um... Uh, Penn and Teller? No. um, No? The other one. The other one. Uh... Um, uh, Not The the Magician's Secrets, but... um, um, he his his big one is the t- Tommy to- toilet paper. Tommy the toilet paper. Tommy the toilet paper. I can't. Tommy the the one where the, the he has got the toilet paper roll where he makes it talk, and then he pulls somebody from the audience and he gets the toilet paper from the person's mouth. Hmm. It's a fame apparently uh, like a famous trick. D- uh, d- uh, Mul. Oh shoot, d- d- uh, Muldoon. D- uh, Dave. I will get you. I will get you his <laughs> name because okay. he is. In, you know when they when they do that stuff in front of you, right at your table. And, oh yeah. And I mean, this guy's been doing it for you know since he was sixteen, right? And he's like fifty six, so you know forty years. Um, and he's traveled all around the world and he's been on several shows and stuff like that. Um, and he uses his Sunday night from five to seven at this local bar and grill. He uses that to practice his met his, uh, craft. It's incredible. So you're a man. I, 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 I love magic and, um, Logic, people with logical minds and especially philosophers, we really get a kick out of magic because of um, uh, we want to figure out exactly how it's done, you know, (laughs) and the logic and and it just defies logic. And uh, and uh, that's really cool. Do you have a, a particular trick that is that you do incredibly well or one that you have made up? on your own that nobody else has done? Um, I, I am 
well, first of all, I kind of fell out of it only because, uh, you know, the fact that I was I was doing it as a business first and foremost. Okay. You know, well, it when was you were uh, at really the height of your game. Was there anything that you did really well? Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. It was uh, mostly card stuff. Card okay. stuff is definitely my my go to. Um, it just you know it 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 turned into a business because it was mag- like it was focusing on selling the magic more than anything. <laughs> show you. you know, I got to show you my magic trick. <laughs> we, we yeah, gotta do, like we're gonna we're gonna have to do a Skype because I'm gonna show you my magic tricks. Oh, absolutely. We're gonna, for gonna sure. That. That's that's cool. Okay, so then you did wow, okay, so you did the magic stuff. You all right, and then what else did you do? Uh so I've done the magic stuff. I uh I honestly thought when I was in high school I was gonna be uh an actor. Like I, I did all four years, I did every single show, every musical, every play. Oh um, what shows? Uh probably the biggest one was we did To Kill a Mockingbird. I was Atticus. Ooh. Um, and that was a big controversy in our area because for some reason... The N-word? Uh, you got it. And uh, uh, it got canceled. Um, oh. And it's it, it, it stirred up so much controversy that it ended up somehow going all the way to New York. And people up in New York, obviously, which is like one of the capitals of theater, found out about it. And, you know, it came back to Florida and eventually we got to do the show. But there was a like there was a about a three month gap there where it just got canceled and we had already been rehearsing for it. um, And it just never happened. And then it, you know, got back to us like, all right, it's a go now. Um, But it was just so strange to me that To Kill a Mockingbird is required reading, essentially and we can't put it on a stage and reenact it um wow so that was a big one uh the wizard of oz i did uh the scarecrow okay um cuz i'm like lean and 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 slender and, and and all that shit um and i and you know look i uh i still love acting i still love theater i love all that stuff but what about Disney? What, love- what about doing stuff with Disney? Given that you're at, you're not, you've got that penchant for acting, because you know, you know how they have that whole, you know. Oh yeah. You ever- and it's right up the road. It's literally right up the yeah, road. Yeah, you ever um, think about doing that or what? I've thought about it. I, you know, I've I've definitely contemplated it, but to really kind of round it out here, I'm doing what I love right now, okay, which is yeah, which is I am like I said, endlessly curious. I usually from week to week, I'm talking to, for the podcast, I'm talking to five or more people. Um, and I love sharing other people's stories. So like, I love talking to, I love talking to you. I love talking to, uh, someone that has a PhD in philosophy, but I also love talking to, you know, some guy that maybe slings trash for a living. Sure. And, but like, you know what I mean? Cause every no, single person, great has every single person has value to add and that's my whole mission is is with the podcast is just to entertain hopefully enlighten well hey and... look, look you know what uh, you go if you i got a bunch of books what you need to do is anything that you see you like you just let me know and then uh give me your address and i'll send you whatever you want anything you want as much of what you want <laughs> So, oh wow! Yeah, Thank so you. just just go ahead and just jump on, um, you know, go to Amazon, and then just shoot me a text, and say, "Hey, I really like this book, this book, this book." Do you already have the Thousand One Ideas book? I do. It's sitting in my okay, lap good. as well. And then, if you want, um, uh, I mean, I guess if you wanted me to, I don't know if you want me to sign it in case I get hit by a bus, then you could sell it on eBay. <laughs> Uh, I guess it would be a situation where then you would just send it to me and I'd sign it, or I guess I could just get a copy and sign it and send it. Would it be better for me to get a copy and sign it and send it? Hey, look, whatever works. Why don't I get a copy of thousands of ideas and send it and sign it and send it? Let me do that. 
let's do awesome. let's do that. So one week once we get off the podcast, just shoot me a ta- shoot me your your uh, address, and then I'll sh- I'll um, I'll send it via mail, and I'll, I'll have my return address on obviously on it as well, and then. Um, uh, um, and then, like I said, any other books that you want. Um, and then do you make money off of these podcasts or how does that work? How do you make your money? So, I mean, I do have a day job. Oh, okay. uh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, this isn't like my, my end all be all yet. Um, I am working on sponsorships. I am working on getting monetized and I do have one sponsor currently. Uh, it is actually anchor the, the app. Oh, okay. Um, good, good, good. So then, so then yeah. they, they, they will like for X number of podcasts, they'll pay you that kind of thing. That's how it works. Yeah. It, it's a pay per listen. So, Oh, good, uh, good, good. All right. So it's good that we're doing this then for you. Oh, I mean it, well, I mean, it's just great for me. Look, I, I, I was doing this when it, there was no monetization. Um, I don't do it, so, you know, sort of like you with the book, like how you took a, like a flat thing there. Like it was more. Yeah, so... yeah, no, no. But I want to help you too, in terms of, cause you gotta, you gotta lit, you gotta make a living. So, so when, <laughs> okay. when we, so what you need to do is when we get off the podcast is you start shooting me texts and you tell me how it is that I can help you by proffering this, like if you want me to, I, I have a bunch of people who have much, who are much more interesting than I am to talk to. I can, I can <laughs> get you there and they're much, they have bigger, e- way bigger egos and than I, than I have. And they're they'll talk more than I will. <laughs> and you, you'll want to talk to them more than you want to talk to me. You see what I'm saying? And that'll help you. So get, if you give me what, you know, the kinds of stuff that you're interested in, I will pass your information on to them. You can then contact them, do podcasts with them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, look, absolutely. And, uh, I really do appreciate all that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's literally just a endless curiosity. That's like, that's it's I'm just addicted to hearing other people's thoughts and opinions. And, and uh, you know, I don't always agree with it, but I don't ever let that get in the way of the conversation. So well, good. Um, well, good. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, look, well, man, look, we just hit the 60 minute mark. huh? <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. Well, I'll tell um, you, I, I, you know, as uh I really enjoyed talking. I really he- enjoyed hearing more stuff about you. I'd like to talk to you more. <laughs> right? You need to start a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Hearing more about you. I, I, I really loved St. Augustine, man. I could see just, man, especially being from, you know, I'm from Chicago um, where it's cold. But going down there, it's like paradise, man. Ugh. It is, except for you know, there is no, like, I'm jealous of people that can experience a true winter. There is no such thing in Florida. There is, there's cold, there's cold days and then that's it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, I, I, I really want to live somewhere that I can experience, you know, fall, summer, spring, winter, all that stuff. Um, it's just, maybe you will. I mean, oh, trust me, at, at some point I will be getting out of Florida. But, you know, it's even when you look at license plates in Florida, it's it, it just says endless summer. Um, and, you know, for some people, that's great. For me, it's just like, whew, I don't know how people do it. So, um, well, hey, like I said, why don't you just take a look at what books you want? Let me know. Also, um uh, give me your, your email. I guess I have your email. Um, I'll, I'll think about, uh, people. I'll give you names of people who you could contact. Um, I may even shoot you and that those people an e-introduction and say, Hey, 
this is Eddie Green. He does a podcast. I did a podcast with him. You'd be interested in talking to him. Um, uh, maybe something like that. You know what I mean? I would, I would greatly appreciate that. And uh, yeah. um, before I let you go, I just want to kind of round it out and bring it back to the book just because I think, you know, this was my introduction to you. Sure. Um, out of everything that you did in that book or out of every idea that you went through in that book, what's the one standout idea to you that is like, you know, this is, this is holy shit. What an idea. Um, I mentioned uh, that Godwin's law, that one. About, yeah. Okay. I think that <laughs> the, was, the, that was the, the one the, that, that Hitler, <laughs> that I thought I, I, I that struck me as uh as accurate that uh, once i i started actually looking at um i started going through the history and threads of people's forum fora uh online chats and i did notice that uh people would eventually wind up accusing people or uh, of sounding like Hitler or the Nazis. Um, so it's just kind of unreal about that. Um, let's see the, um, the, uh, the other, I, let's see, I'm looking at the ideas right now, uh, in my hand here. I'm trying to see if there's another one that, uh, jumps out, uh, uh, as um uh let's see well uh in- interestingly enough um um slavery as a concept, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, as long as human beings have existed and as long as there have been uh, stronger and weaker people, the stronger people always try to enslave the weaker people, which is unfortunate, so that kind of struck me as like a shame um that 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 stands out in my mind yeah that that's a good point that it's not even like you know all ideas are are great ideas it's it's there's a lot of shitty awful disgraceful ideas out there and that's something i love about the book too is that you don't shy away from that you know you really kind of uh you know you highlight the good the bad and the ugly yeah and and that that it's it's amazing how that activity then became an idea that um uh was used by people and has been used by people in human history and that really kind of sucks um so there you go yeah <laughs> 